of City Church, Huntersville, North Carolina. We welcome you to another dynamic preaching, teaching broadcast. These next few moments promise to be a blessing in your life. And perhaps it will be a blessing to those that you share this with. It is our endeavor, our dream, our goal that you know more about the gospel. That is the good news of Christ Jesus. May his kingdom come and his will be done. I want you to sit back and hear the word of the Lord. The Bible says that God sent his word and his word healed them and delivered them from their destruction. I want you to know that there's nothing too hard for God. As you hear these sermons, as you hear the word of the Lord, whatever the situation, circumstance, dilemma, I want you to know one thing. There's nothing too hard for God. In fact, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I just believe just the fact that you're here today listening to another great and dynamic sermon that God will bless, God will heal, God will deliver. We'll be back in a few moments. I want you to enjoy the word of the Lord. And again, thank you for joining us. Amen. Committed to the Lord's house. Committed to the Lord's house is our subject and the title of our message on today. We're going to go to our scripture here in just a moment. Um, if you want to go ahead and find it, it'll be coming from Hebrews 10, 23 verse, through verse 25. When one is committed to the house of the Lord, there is an attitude and a focus that you will and must have in order to stay committed. Your lens, if you will, must go get to a level where you become engaged. When you are engaged, you start taking those steps that cause you to take ownership of the work of the ministry, of the work of the ministry. When you are engaged, you become involved in the work that is set before you. You begin to invest your time, of course, your gifts and your talents and ultimately your purpose. There is a sense of confidence when you are engaged in the kingdom of the Lord and the work of the church and your faith in God for the vision of the shepherd. You know, the one who casts the vision, the one who gets his marching orders from God himself. And he will compel you and draw you to strive to see a finished result. Your passions become clearer and you see the desires of the Lord more clearly and let me add your personal walk and desires even when there are times of uncertainty you keep going with balance you stay committed though we may have to dodge the attitudes of others you must have grace but you gotta keep going Amen. You got to keep going. The confidence of one who delights in communion with God. I was reminded of Psalm 27 where David the psalmist shares his confession and his attributes of the Lord. He introduces prayer for divine help and guidance. And he says this, Psalm 27, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid David could not express those words unless he spent some time with God time in his presence 
time devoted to his temple and in his temple. Could it be that David wrote or sung this psalm in the midst of defeating the giant when Abishai succoured him, maybe? Or could this be even after David was old and had many battles under his belt, so as the Jews thought? However, it is this powerful expression that David articulates to the Lord. Now listen, David's subjects called him the light of Israel. But it is through the battles and the deliverances of victory that David proclaims that the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. He understood that he would not fear his enemies, though they were great in number and wicked, though they would be clever to attempt to trap him and encamp against him, his heart would not fear. David said later in this psalm that in this I will be confident. Key word, confident. After all he encountered and came up against, there was one desire. You know as you get older and wiser, you begin to stop sweating the small stuff and you begin prioritizing what really matters? You've probably heard me say it before, but as I get older, I stop tolerating stuff from other people, but even the more, I stop tolerating stuff from myself. You got to talk to yourself sometimes. Come on, Tim. You know better. It's not worth it. It's not worth you losing first your salvation. It's not worth you losing your family. It's not worth you losing your mind. You know the end result of this or that. So you begin to just prioritize things. You begin to prioritize things to say, that's not that important. If I answer that email as mad as I am right now, they're going to see that. And then I'll have to repent for that too. I can't go in a prayer like this. Let me get myself together. Then I can really inquire of God so that my prayers don't hit the ceiling and be voided to mean nothing. And then he goes on and says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so the time that David spent in his presence and the time he devoted in his temple, he took it personal. He began to know and to understand who God really was. David's subject, as I said a few minutes ago, called him the light of Israel, but David proclaims that the Lord is my light. And when God becomes your light and other people see that light, they don't understand until you begin to witness to them that just, just it's the light of God that illuminates through you, through your character, through your personality. Amen? Because the flesh would say, tell them off. Give them a piece of your mind. Oh, you have, you, you know, you'd have messed with the wrong one. That's how my wife and I bounce things off of each other. Then we go sit down somewhere and go pray. 
well, you should have said this. If it was me, I would have said, and I know better. And I go somewhere and sit down and I say, Father, now I know. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What really matters. He understood that, that he would not fear his enemies. Though they were great in number and wicked, though that they were clever to attempt him, he said, listen, David wrote and said in Psalm, in this I will be confident. After all he has encountered, amen, and, and came up against, there was one thing that he said he desired. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What is the one thing that you desire of the Lord? I know there's many, because I have many, but if you could prioritize, what's the one thing? Ah, glory to God. What's the one thing that you desire of the Lord? David said this. He says, I desire one thing of the Lord. He says, to dwell in the house of the Lord. Not some of the time, not just on Sunday, not when, I, when, I'm, when it's convenient and I feel like it. He says, but all the days of my life. Why do you think he want to dwell in the house of the Lord? First of all, to dwell means to sit, to be sat, to abide or to make my abode and to be inhabited. It wasn't an experience, just an experience for David. He says, but I'm going to dwell. I'm going to sit and make myself comfortable. This is my, I'm taking ownership in his temple. Why? To behold, to behold, to see, to seek. Hallelujah. To see and to seek. Now, not just to see and be that spectator, but to see by experience there's a difference when you're just spectating you begin to see glimpses of God on other people's lives or the work of the ministries you know the, the work itself you begin to hear and see people's testimony but when you make it personal and it becomes by experience then you have more ownership in God and in his temple, just like David. You have more ownership and experience and can also testify, I know that I know that I know because God did it for me this way. And can no, can't no one tell me any different? Can no one tell me any different? And then he says, not only to behold the beauty, but also to inquire in his temple to consider seek and reflect when you inquire that means that you're focused you're focused on God and his kingdom and what you don't know you seek it you look for it you expect it you expect him you look to the shepherd you look to one another you touch and agree. We're working. There may be uncertainty 
in your lives individually as it has been in mine, and I may be uncertain of, of when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, or even why it happened, but the one thing I am certain of is the God that I'm serving, first and foremost, he's going to bring me out. He's going to make a way. And so to dwell and to behold and to inquire, maybe that should have been the title of this sermon, to dwell. Everyone say dwell. Say to behold and to inquire in his temple. Hallelujah. He spent time in God's presence. He was committed and served the Lord consistently. And while serving, David knew and understood that God cared and protected David, not only as the king, but as a mere man. When you seek the Lord, you seek and desire his favor. You seek and desire his wisdom and his counsel. And this morning, I want to teach or speak to you concerning the importance of being committed to the house of the Lord. To some of you, this may be a recap of the things that our pastor has shared in the last couple weeks, but to others this may be simply a reminder of our continual need to stay committed. Amen? And so there you have provided for you um, are these outlines that we want to go through. Amen. Amen. And we're, of course, going to fill in those blanks. Commitment, first of all, is defined, and it's there provided for you, is defined as the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, an activity, dedication of an allegiance, faithfulness, a fidelity, and a bond. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10 and 23 and verse, through 20, verse 23 through 25 reads, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much as you see the day approaching amen god's will and his expectation is put right there for us faithfulness in church attendance we just read the scripture. It is his will that we as a body of believers not scatter. We're to assemble together. Come one, come all. See, those um, people, patriarchs and matriarchs and the, and the leaders and the believers in the Old Testament understood that, especially David and Solomon, that we are to prepare a tabernacle. We are to prepare a temple, a place for God to dwell. The priests understood that there was the outer courts, but then there was the inner courts, and then there was the holy of holies. And not just anyone could come in in any way, in any flesh, and stand in the presence of God. Jesus wasn't on the scene yet. The new covenant has not come on the scene yet. But I think in today's time, in this, in this dispensation of grace and the New Testament, we should still have the attitude that when we come into his house, it's a sacred place. 
It's a place that we can meet God. Surely we are the temple of the Holy Spirit for those of us that have truly given our lives to, to Christ. And that's the blessing. We don't have to come to a priest, per se, for him to go to God for you and me. We have boldness and access, amen, because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have access to go for ourselves. I appreciate you praying for me and helping me get through some things, amen, but I'm learning how to pray for myself. As a matter of fact, I may not tell you everything that I really need you to pray for me about. Amen? So I appreciate because I'm dwelling and I'm beholding and inquiring of the Lord for some time now. And I still have so much to learn. Me and Mother Crawford was talking about no matter how old you get and the more you know and study, you cannot exhaust all of God. You cannot exhaust all of his word. He's always teaching if you want to be taught. And he's always keeping if you want to be kept. Amen. He's always showing us something new. Always showing us something true. Well, I might as well rhyme with that when you're blue. Amen. <laughs> always showing us a better way a more excellent way amen faithful in church attendance David understood the benefits of having a connection to the temple and the sanctuary he made it personal he made it personal I want to draw your attention to Psalm 63 for just a moment Psalm 63 You may want to even write that down and study that later. Psalm 63, and this is the joy in fellowship with God, uh, uh, the fellowship of God. Um, of course, it's the Psalm of David, and David says, uh, verses 1 through 2 is what I want to talk to you about. He says, oh God, you are my God. He says early, and some, some um, translations may say earnestly, he says, will I seek you, my soul? thirst for you. You know when your, your soul is thirsting for God. You've tried other things. You, you know, you've touched and agreed with other people, but something still just does not settle right in, in, in your, in your, in, in your, and you try to quench, you know, things with your flesh. And it doesn't always have to be something bad. It could just be something good that you want to obtain or, or you need an answer. You need some wisdom and, and some counsel in some way. And your, and your soul is just thirsts. It thirsts for the living God. He says, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. When it seems like resources have ran out or it seems like your limitation has become a little more limited when it seems like the doctor has 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 said all that he or she can say or can do and you're tired of going back and forth to the hospital giving all this blood and you keep seem like you keep getting the same results or they keep you know, you, you you find yourself relationships children perhaps you find yourself in a dry 
in a thirsty land where there is no water and you're thirsty. Your soul is thirsty, even your flesh. There's something when your flesh is longing for God as, as, as unconditional as our flesh can be sometimes. Even when your flesh is longing for God. David says, so I have looked for you where? In the sanctuary. He understood. It was personal to him. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. Why? To see your power and your glory. There's something about being in his sanctuary. It's something about being in a sacred place with God where there's so many distractions out there. And you've tried all week to stay in his presence, but you have distractions, you have responsibilities. We all have obligations that, you know, you can't go to work speaking in tongues. Your co-workers and your boss say good morning and you, those are good distractions. You have to work. But when you have an attitude that I cannot wait till this service, I can't wait till Sunday comes or if there's a special service, a special Tuesday night Bible teaching set aside, sometimes that might be your Sunday where you can come together with other believers as we've understood is God's expectation. It's his expectation. That, listen, look at the next bullet. A disciple who also serves a worker. Let's fill in the blank. Be diligent to present yourself. Be diligent to present yourself. That's the scripture. Approve to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, Paul was mentoring and teaching and pastoring Timothy as a young leader growing up in the faith. But this scripture is for all of us. It's just not associated for the preacher, the teacher, the pastor. It's for the disciple. It's for the student. Amen? Be diligent to present Yourself, another key word. Present yourself. You got to work hard. You got to always be cognizant, you know, when you look in the mirror and you're looking at your outer appearance. And brothers, when we're in the mirror and we're shaving, you know, nobody wants to walk out of your home with a crooked shave, you know, unless you're trying to carve your initials or something. Um, minister. Morel, no, I'm just playing. But you, know, you want to walk out and you want to be presentable. You want to smell good. You want to look your best, you know. Ladies, you don't want to go out with two different type of earrings. One time I went to work um, with two different color pair of socks. One was navy blue and one was black, and I didn't know it until the end of the day. Who knows? But you look at yourself. You want to present. We have to be diligent. We have to work hard sometimes to present ourselves to be approved. 
you know, to present ourselves, to be approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Next bullet, consistency in prayer. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. As we're presenting ourselves, you may even want to remember, of course, very familiar scripture, Romans 12 and 1, that talks about that we are to present our bodies. We are to present ourselves, amen, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, amen. We're to never stop praying. We're to pray without ceasing. First of all, we should rejoice, pray, and then give thanks. Rejoice, pray, and to give thanks. What about his people to be givers? His people to be, give, to be givers. Luke 6 and 38 is provided for you there. The Amplified Version says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, with no space left for more. I remember Grandmama used to take that little sifter and put flour in it, and she'd pack it and sift it, and it looked fluffy. But see, I was looking for the end result, whether it was going to be cake, biscuit, or something, pancakes or something. But the more she packed, she packed it until it, it would just overflow. And she'd press it down with a mason jar or something like that and, and had just about enough room to put a little bit more. And she'd press it down some more. And then it gave her a little bit more room and she would keep pouring. I think about that every time I read this scripture. Press down, shaken together, and running over with no more space left. For with the standard of measurement you use when you do good to others, Hallelujah. It will be measured to you in return. In this context, it is not so much the giving of money or material resources, but with giving love, blessing, and forgiveness. You will never lose, as my brother said in our offering this morning, you will never lose this way. This is God's type of generosity. Love, blessing, and forgiveness. You get a return on your investment when you give this way. It compounds, amen, and you reap the benefits. You reap those benefits. Hallelujah. Listen, we won't be long. I'm almost done. But you reap the benefits when we learn to be givers. Sure, we're to give financially because the Lord commands it. Sure, we're to give of our time. And we're so blessed and so thankful for each and every one of us that do that. Amen. And when we serve the Lord, we, we're to serve him with gladness. We're not to serve him begrudgingly. We're not to, even though, now listen, I'm not speaking as if I'm perfect and I, and I got this thing nailed down. Because sometimes we know our flesh just don't want to move certain times, certain days. You just don't feel like it. Sometimes Tim don't feel like being in other people's face. Sometimes my attitude stinks. But guess what? Before I get up, 
before I put this mic in my hand or before I come, you know, and, 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 and I'm facing you, I got to get it together, you know? There are times you just, you have to press, you know, for we don't walk by, we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. If we walk by sight, I probably wouldn't be here, and neither would you. <laughs> you know, there are just times. But listen, when we serve, as, we're, as we are workers, you know, there's balance. Sure, there's balance. There's balance. You have responsibilities. You have the ministry of your home. God, your family, amen, your local church. You have responsibilities. But let's not be lazy and diligent. I mean, let's not be lazy but diligent in presenting ourselves unto God as a worker, a servant, amen, as, as ministers in God's house, amen. Why do we need a pastor to care, to feed us, and oversee God's people. It is the Lord's, fill in the blank please, it is the Lord's will, plan, and process of salvation. It is the Lord's will, plan, and process of salvation. The Lord's will, plan, and process of salvation. Now J Jeremiah 3.15, I want to read something um, for you. This was um, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah at a time that, that he was calling, you know, for repentance from, from Israel and, 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 and the tribe of Judah. And the Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? He called them, a, called them backsliding. Backsliding Israel. See, that, that's just not a cliche that that you've heard church folks say, backslider. That's just not something that, you know, two compound words, back and sliding, or slider that people put together. That's, that's out of the word of God. He says, you have, you have seen what backsliding um, Israel has done. She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot the adulterer, the whore, the prostitute, the harlot. And I won't give the other slain things. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And then he goes on and says, and her treacherous sister Judah. Backsliding Israel and treacherous Judah. See, we call people wretched, just treacherous. Treacherous, the Lord says. Judah should be praised. Should be praised, but yet treacherous, messy. Always got your mouth in something. You're always sitting in the seat of the scornful. How are you going to get blessed with your mouth going? Criticizing, always got something to say. 
If the man of God say go left and you go left and somebody say, well, you really should have went right. You know you're not really good going left. Why would he have them going? Listen, I learned years ago from my first pastor, if you complain, you remain. You remain in the state that you're in. You remain in the nasty, bitter attitude that you find yourself in. But if you praise, you'll be raised. You'll be raised to, to higher heights. Attitude is your longitude and your altitude. It'll determine how far you go or do not go and how high you go up. Whether it's church, ministry, whether it's family, whether it's your employment or your business, your personal business, whether it's your relationship and you're trying to win your family to Christ, attitude is everything. Every, everything. Attitude is everything. And then he goes on and says, he says, and your treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went away, played the harlot also. So it came to pass, though her casual harlotry, that she defiled and the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me and with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Then the Lord said to me, backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will cause my anger to fall on you, for I, I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity. That's all he wants. We get to a place that we could come before God like David did in Psalm 51 and say, Father, I have sinned. I've sinned against you and you only. Because he understood what it meant to dwell to behold and to inquire of the Lord, he understood and knew what God expected of him and what God expected of Israel and what God expected of the kingdom of David, the people. And the same way with us, when we're serving, we make it personal. God, I'm serving you with gladness. And Father, I know that you're going to help me in my time of need. Sometimes service is a sacrifice. But understand that God always sees us. And he knows. And so he goes on and says, backsliding Israel. He says, return, says the Lord. He says, I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am a merciful God, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever, 
verse 13 in Jeremiah 3 says, Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. And then verse 14 says, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord. And then he says this, as we're getting ready to go into our next part of being the bride of Christ. He says, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart. That's why we need a pastor who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. It can't always be the preaching that tickles our ears, that moves our emotions. There has to be a balance of teaching the word of God. Because when you're taught, you really do walk, and you're listening, listening intently, you do walk away with a little bit more. And we all process things different. I will say at least this, that men, male, um, processes things different than female in any teaching setting but we must have a balance of that teaching that's why he sends us a pastor he says he'll send a shepherd according to his heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding did you realize and did you know that sheep unlike most animals has to be led daily where to eat they're not like wolves and other animals that, you know, they go get theirs. They know. They have an instinct and sense to go devour, you know, to go and, and, and to prey upon. But a sheep with the small brain that they have have to be led daily. And you would think if I led a, a herd of sheep right here in this grassy field, all the food that they could eat, that they would remember that tomorrow, but they won't remember. And so like sheep, we too need a pastor. Listen, as bright and intelligent as you are, you still need supervision. You do. Go supervise your supervisor tomorrow and see what happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You still need we all still need some type of supervision and just like a shepherd who protects a sheep from 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 prey it also protect a sheep from wandering because the enemy wants to, and we've seen it the enemy wants to scatter us scatter you to a place that you don't even go to church anymore scatter you to a place that you know, you were used to you used to quote and, and post scriptures and, and church services and 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 and, and things that, that of, of God's kingdom on Facebook and Instagram and now I'm looking and, and I'm seeing you, I'm looking in the background. Oh, that looks like liquor. That looks like a bottle of wine. And and, and there's a go-go dancer behind this person to scatter you. To scatter you from being fed where you're supposed to be fed. And you've heard others minister. 
can't just eat at anybody's table. It's one thing to be, that's what I used to call in my own imagination, a foster Christian. And, and, and thank God for good people when we think about fostering. But so many in that system abuse fostering. When a family, a child, when siblings, when young people need, you know, they need stability. They need to stay well in this family unit. But what the enemy would do find yourself as a foster Christian you're a person who you can't stay planted you eat from here and then you eat from here and then you eat from here and you eat over here and then you hear something's going on over here and you're hearing all kinds of doctrine and you're fulfilling your flesh because you're being tickled and you're being you're being emotional at a place and you can't you can't hope you can't have stable relationship you know you really cannot you really can't you really can't have but one mom and dad you know you really should only be fed from one place sure you can get some good nuggets you know you can get some 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 good snacks <laughs> you know from from other places and when you're in covenant you know with other other ministries or your sister churches and places like that surely but you need a place where you can, you can dwell. When you dwell, you, you remain. When you dwell, you, you make yourself comfortable. You bow down, you get in the presence of God. When you dwell, you have expectation that I'm, I'm seeking him. I'm inquiring from God because I'm expecting something in return. You have covenant relationship with God that's why we need we need a pastor first Peter 5 and 2 says this shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers not by compulsion but willingly not for dishonest gain but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but examples to the flock. And then it says this, and when the chief shepherd appears. I'm so thankful for our pastor. I'm so grateful for our shepherd. God could allow any of us to be somewhere where we're being abused, where the doctrine is just wavering whatever blows the wherever the wind blows this way that's what you believe today the next week is blowing this way there are there are so many people that believe they're in the right place we have family all of us got at least probably one person that we know that is somewhere that they should not be and we're yet praying for them you know people that are in cults you know, people that are around false prophets and false prophecy. Paul spoke about that to the church, to the early church. 
to the church of Ephesus, to the Corinthians. He taught them, listen, there are false doctrines out there. It's important that while we're serving, amen, while we're presenting ourselves to be approved of God, that we understand how to divide the word of truth so that we can stand against any false teaching. Thank God for our shepherd. Hallelujah. And then he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, glory to God. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Let's turn to there real quick. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. And it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. I believe that's fourfold. For the equipping, fill in your blank, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So to equip and edify the saints. The Lord has given us apostles and prophets and evangelists and some pastors and teachers to equip us, to prepare us for the work, for serving, for the work of ministry, for our devotion towards God in the work of ministry. And it's for edifying the body of Christ till, how long? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ. That's how long we're to do this. <laughs> Until the Lord says he comes and he returns. That's how long. That's how long. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love, may we grow up, or may grow up rather, in all things into him who is the head, Christ. That is why we need a pastor. Amen. The bride of Christ. Ephesians 5 and 27. Amen. The bride of Christ. Your first fill in is the church is Christ's bride. The church is Christ's bride. Ephesians 5 and 27 says that he might present her to himself, talking about Jesus, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Amen. So, you know, we are the, the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. As a matter of fact, your next feeling says the whole body of believers constitute the bride. 
we constitute the bride. And so please forgive me for that error there. It should be um, where it's preparation for presentation. Ephesians 5.27 is the scripture, um, main scripture for, for that heading. You know, we're to prepare to be presented. Amen. We're to prepare to be presented. I always think about, you know, you get, your, uh, you get a wrinkled shirt out of your closet or what have you, pair of pants, jeans, or something like that. I don't think people um, iron their jeans back, you know, in these days. Back in my day, you know, the better the crease you had, you were polished. You know, nowadays they just throw stuff on. My son throws his jeans in the dryer for a few minutes to take the wrinkles out. Oh, I got a witness. Okay. All right. Well, I won't say he's lazy then because I ain't calling you lazy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, I think about, you know, he says without spot or wrinkle. You know, you, 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 you want to look good on the outside. Amen. You want to present something, you know. But are we, are we, are we, are, let me ask you a question. Are you presenting, are you preparing uh, for dating or are you preparing to wed? Are we preparing to date? Because if you're preparing to date, you know, your commitment level is limited. When you're preparing to wed, your commitment level is not only higher, but um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's unexhausting. When you're committing yourself to wed, you know, your, your, your preparation, I should say, is, is, is not, it's at a different level of commitment, you know. The blessing is, just like the Lord spoke to Jeremiah about backsliding Israel, he says, return to me, he says, because I'm married to you. See, with God, it, divorce is, is non-negotiable. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. You know, we all know what it's like to fail God or to, to sin, you know. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. And, you know, I think what, what causes us to worship God him even the more is that we cannot understand why he has not kicked us to the curb we cannot understand that every morning when we wake up his, his mercy is new and fresh that we haven't even been consumed because of our transgressions and our iniquities I ask God God why do you love me the way you bless me, you were faithful in something when I would have understood that if I did not obtain this blessing that I prayed for, I would have understood why I didn't get it. Because I know Tim. But you can't fathom why God is so merciful. But guess what? It's a joy in searching it's a joy in dwelling it's a joy in, in 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 seeking and beholding the beauty of the lord amen it's a it's, it's a joy in inquiring in his temple it's good to go to someone who understands you better than you if you have a a, a foreign vehicle and a very costly one i wouldn't advise you to take it to toyota you know, Sister Pamela, I know you drive a, a, a McCarty, um, 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 one of them $300,000 uh, cars, right? 
Amen. You better receive that. <laughs> Amen. My son said uh, years ago, he said, Dad, I want an Audi and I want a quad Ford. I want it to look like this. And my wife and I said, okay, that's good. God going to bless you one day. I said, but in the meantime, do you know how much just the oil change is? Well, oil change, $20, $35 a month. I said, go Google it and look it up. $165 a month. I said, yeah. So when you obtain something good, you got to keep it up. You can't be like a lot of people who got nice clothes, wear nice gaiters, designers, beautiful car, and no garage to park it in. Amen. Priorities are backwards. My priorities were backwards. The older I get, I'm learning how to prioritize what really matters. What really matters in my life. God, at the end of the day, it's about you. I can get hot over this person and get mad and hot over that person or, or, or I, can, I can argue against my wife or just let her believe that she was right and I was wrong and go somewhere and, and sit down, amen. I could just, you know, you know um, um, just abstain from, from, from being a hothead or having a bad attitude and just go towards God. What really matters? It's important to me that when I come into the house of the Lord that, that I'm serving him with gladness. That I'm smiling. You know, that I, I'm looking for an end result. Whether the task is little or whether the task is large. Even if I'm dreading a certain date of the month because, you know, oh, we got a big thing that's going on and we got to, can't wait till that weekend is over. I don't want to go through that serving with that type of attitude. I just want to get this thing over with and be gone. The flesh is tempting, you know. But what are we preparing for? We're preparing to be the bride of Christ without spot and without wrinkle. We're preparing to, 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 to be presented to God through his son, Jesus Christ without spot, without wrinkled. We're preparing, amen, diligently. And you may stand. We're preparing diligently to present our bodies, to present ourselves, to present ourselves as a worker, amen, who, who shows ourselves appropriate. We're presenting ourselves unto God. The word of God says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So those of us that serve in this auxiliary, we're a joint that supplies for a different auxiliary. Not any one man or group of people know all things. We all have a multitude, a plethora of different gifts that the Lord has given. Different purposes that God has given each and every one of us. But he says that joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share.
I want to say thank you again for joining us today at the City Church YouTube channel. What a joy it is to be able to come into your home, come on your laptop, come on your iPad, your cell phone. On the behalf of my wife, Pastor Sharon, and all of the saints and friends of the City Church, I just want to say thank you. You know, today I pray that something you heard in this message stirred your heart, provoked your faith, and blessed your soul. I believe with all my heart that God sent his word and his word brings healing, deliverance, and breakthrough. Here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to pray with you. I want you to know there's nothing too hard for God. In fact, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. The Bible reminds us that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. And you know what? About 30 plus years ago, God came into my life as a freshman on an HBCU college campus, and I'm saved, sanctified, filled with God's precious Holy Spirit after all these years. Why? Because God's been faithful. He made a promise to his word, a promise to his covenant, a promise to me. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sin, you say, Pastor Mike, I'm a good person. I'm really a nice guy. I'm a great girl, but I just don't know Jesus and the pardon of my sins. I'd like to pray for you. And after all of these years, I've often instructed that salvation is as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus lived, he died, he was buried, three days later, he rose again. C, commit your life, commit your heart to Jesus. After those ABCs, admit, believe, and commit I believe that God comes into your life and you are a brand new creation, a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I am a sinner and I want to get my heart right. I want to give my life completely to serving you. I do believe in my heart and I confess today with my mouth that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, the living one. I want to commit my life to serving him and being all that I can be as a child of God. I receive today the gift of salvation into my heart, into my mind, into my soul, that my sins would be forgiven and that I will be washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit that I may be a brand new Christian. I thank you for salvation. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you for a brand new life. In the name of of Jesus we ask and we pray. Amen. My dear friend, you may not realize this, but that is the prayer of salvation. Again, it's a very simple process, simple prayer. Now, it will cost you to live this Christian life, but the Bible reminds us that greater is he that is in he, you, or greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Listen, if you're in the Huntersville, that is the Charlotte, North Carolina area, we'd love for you to visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. sharp, for a dynamic worship experience. If you can't be in the area, join us online, www.mycitychurchonline.com. All the information is on the screen. In fact, I'd like you to email me, write me. We want to send you some information on the decision you just made to serve the Lord. Maybe you're rededicating or recommitting your life to the Lord. We want to make sure that you can grow as a born-again, committed believer. Again, I can't thank you enough for allowing us to be in your world on this day. May heaven smile upon you, and may the Lord richly bless you. I'm Dr. Michael Anthony Stevens. On the behalf of all of the saints and friends of City Church, we say welcome Congratulations and God bless.